Hello. Hello. Industry. Industry. Hello, everybody. It's your loyal host, Friendly Rich, and you're back for more industry tactics. I hope you're having a nice day. Want to thank, uh, you know what? I want to thank today's guest, Bri Webb, for over a year ago putting it in my ear to propose that this show would syndicate on CFRU where he works. And we've worked that out. Want to thank uh, Christopher and everybody at the station for supporting that. I think it's really cool that the show is uh, is playing every Friday at 10 p.m. live on a CFRU in our favorite city, Guelph, Ontario. And that's today where we do this interview with the one and only Bri Webb of the Constantines. And uh, he has a new record coming out at the beginning of November, on November 3rd. So it's an awesome interview, very genuine, uh, really easy to talk to. It was such a pleasure to get into the mind of Bri Webb and his, uh, his artistry. So here it is, Tee It Up, episode 172 of Industry Tactics. Let's do it with Bri Webb. here with none other than Brian Webb. Welcome to Industry Tactics, Brian Webb. Hi, Rich. How are you doing? Good. It's it's good to uh, it's really nice to to speak with you. You and I have had four interactions in our lives, haven't we? Maybe uh, that's actually least, highballing it. At least, I mean, well, I, I was going to say at least, just because I feel like we. It depends on what you call an interaction, I guess. <laughs> we've we've probably breezed past each other in a lot yeah. of rooms over the years, but yeah. yeah, it's not a lot of long conversations uh, with microphones. No, so um, so here we go. Dive in. Let 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 us know. Let our gentle listeners know everything they need to know about you. You do all the heavy lifting. I'm just going to sit back here and drink scotch. Wow. Well, okay. Uh, well. Um, I am Brian Webb. I live in Guelph, Ontario, um, kind of an adopted hometown. Uh, adopted hometown a, from, from, from where originally? London, Ontario. Okay. That's where I grew up. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was born at St. Joseph's Hospital in London, Ontario. There we Ontario, go. There we go. Where, Love where my mom, mom was a nurse uh, and went on to be an emerged nurse for her whole career. My father was an elementary school teacher. Love it. Uh, I, I now... I'm a operations coordinator at a community radio station called CFRU, uh, and I shout out. Yeah, and I made music for um, maybe 30 years in different forms, from hardcore punk to uh, sort of songwritery uh, acoustic music, um, improvised uh, radio shows, and all sorts of stuff, installation work, and and all kinds of things. Love it, love it. There we go. Um, let's play some music right out the gate. Because I like talking about Carlo Rossi wine, but I'd rather be drinking it. Here it comes from the new record, Run With Me, 
This is um you wanna why don't you tee up the first tune? I, I, I got a couple of favorites, but I'd like to hear what you would tee up on a in a pinch. Um I would I think I'd pick Oh, this maybe this is a bit of a uh curveball, but I, I'd pick uh, She Is Here, which is the last song on the record. I can tell you tell you about it, but we can talk about it afterwards too. Bring milk by the moonrise Bring songs of the dead No host before her body No hood for the head Through the archives of morning Through old houses of fear A bittersweet vine growing We know she is here Let the sun rise in the morning And any witness bring Let all the blooming cosmos Teach us to sing The moon, a high altar The window, a mirror Now all revelation That was She Is Here, Bry Webb. The new record is called Run With Me. We're, we're catching you kind of in mid-stride of your tour. Yeah. Talk to us. Uh, talk to us about that tune, please. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was written for my daughter, uh, who's a, a trans young woman and uh, is 12 years old now. Um, and she always took comfort in, you know, the the writing of jk rowling and the harry potter movies and stuff and then just in the last year found out about jk rowling's kind of transphobic nonsense and um and so that was a a heartbreaker and you know a first kind of big letdown in terms of uh conflict with something she cared about and her own identity and so i wrote that song um in response and in in the celebration of self-identification and knowledge of who one is you know right on right on beautiful beautiful stuff i like how we're we're right out the gate starting (laughs) with with gold here with bry webb thank you um for what you do you know i i wonder maybe if i might ask you there was a bit of a a lull between or a, a pause between records right um like a, a na- was it nine years? Nine years between between studio records. Like a, uh, there was a live record in there, but uh, yeah, it, it's been nine years since I made a record, a new song. So if you can call that a pause, 
or a lull. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I would. And, um, but I wonder like, yeah, wh- why do we do this? Maybe that's the question I want to ask you because it's, it's such a beautiful recording that I would argue. And you're now in, in that basket of you're one of those artists that um, maybe doesn't do it on an annual basis, but when you do it, you, you, you need to do it. You mean it. And it's yeah. not that um, those, those artists putting stuff out every other month, uh, according to the rules of Spotify are, are any lesser, but I just wonder, yeah, why, why, why do we do it? Why do you think we do this? Um, why do we take those breaks or take the time we take? I, I, or, or do it in general? No. Why do we put mm. this stuff out there? Like what, what drove yeah. you to, um, to, yeah. to, to make this one? Um, I think I was just, uh, I mean, I was going through a lot of personal change, a lot of tumult in my personal life uh, okay. that I was trying to, trying to come to terms with uh, and had a few people that I respect and care about say, you know, this is the time when you learn how to ask for help when you reach out and connect with other people, don't isolate yourself, which is my usual yeah. MO. Um, and so I, I just, I started playing just to try and sing again, like to try and enjoy the act of, of singing. And then that turned into just recording some pieces of ideas and, and, then discovering some old recordings that I had forgotten about of song sketches and then uh, just reaching out to uh, the people that used to put out records for me, EDA Fix, Alex and Jeff uh, in Toronto. Um, and then uh, and, and they said, yeah, if you want to make something, let's make something, uh, which is a really incredible thing to have after being you know silent for, for that many years that they were just ready to to go and then uh, just sent out pieces of things to friends from you know 25 years of making music um, to see if anybody wanted to add anything and then it just kept coming back with like so much beauty so many uh, generous offerings you know from from these people um, that I was reaching out to uh, so it just was a more yeah it was a process of of asking for help and receiving care <laughs> that was really what it was about this time asking for help in the in the on the friend level but also on the file sharing level of like co-writing and and, and doing this thing with you or was it a bit of both yeah. Uh, both, really. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a lot of hangs with uh, my friend Rich Burnett, who uh, has kind of always been my right-hand man. Like, in, uh, he, he was a huge help um, early in the the year. And then um, Tom Hamilton, who plays piano on all over everything, you know, plays with Sandra Perry, plays with tons of people. is amazing. Like, one of the most incredible musicians I've ever met. Uh, going to his place his little backyard studio and recording some ideas there and then uh, and just hanging out again like I just had been also you know because of the last the, the way the world was in the last four years I just I had taken that more as an opportunity to isolate so yeah just it was a, mi- a mix of just connecting with people again and, and being in the, the company of people uh, and and being creative with people again um but yeah, I mean, in, in general terms, I don't, I don't know, I don't know why we we do it exactly. I mean, I guess for me, it's like um, I just love music so much 
um, throughout my life that I wanted to be a part of it somehow. I wanted to see if I could do it um, and and try and honor what I love about it. And then so I just tried uh, keep trying to make offerings to something that I care about. I guess you know be a, be a, a part of something that I I value a lot. You know when you I love that when you um, when you found that you had something you were going to when when you knew it was something basically i guess when you went to the label and said hey would you be interested this is getting this is turning into something was that a quick process like what, what did you end up creating the thing and like kind of wrapping it and finishing it and what was the oh my god i, I can't believe i'm a- asking you how long it took you to make your art but um <laughs> there's the novice question i'm throwing at you uh, um, it was absurdly fast. Like I, th- I think in, in relative to the way these things usually seem to happen these days. Like from interesting, I went to Jeff and Alex in maybe February when I was starting to actually feel like I had enough songs and said, "Could we? Tr- would would you be up for trying to put something out?" And they said, "When do you want it out?" And I said, "November." And they said, "Okay, uh, it has to be done by May." And so then it was just a like that having having a deadline was really helpful <laughs> for me. That's nice. And uh, and yeah, it just sort of happened in that space. We got the the mixes done at Jeff's place in Toronto. Uh, Jeff's, you know, I worked with him since the Constantine's like sec, uh, third record uh, he recorded, and so. That was a pretty easy and comfortable process. Um, there was maybe you know a week or here and there of, of sending mixes back and forth, and and uh, yeah, um, it, it just was done. And then we did the liner notes, and and the amazing Steph Yates did the artwork. Um, beautifully, this marbling, this beautiful like when when she showed me what she had done, it was like she had maybe forty sheets of different marbles of like these incredible colors like with these just like i wept i was just completely overwhelmed i mean yeah i i mean a lot of the i don't know like steph's been a huge part of helping encourage me to make the record to tell people tell me that people might actually be interested (laughs) that's the other thing is who knows yeah 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 People might be interested. Who knows? I mean, uh, okay. Well, I got, there's so much there. I mean, all right. Well, so it sounds like it was a relatively quick process for you to, after nine years, we'll, we'll just use that. I mean, so, so were you, I'm interested in that nine years now. Like, were you, what was going on? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I had a kid. I, I've been a father since 2011. Um, my daughter's going to be be 13 this January, which is amazing. But I I started working at uh, CFRU um, in 2010, and I love my job here. I mean, I get to to teach people how to use technology to share their ideas and voices, and and help people begin to learn how to approach recording and music production technology you know that might not have access to it yeah um otherwise and uh and i work with amazing people like jenny mitchell and odisha howlett and um you know i get to be involved in all sorts of community initiatives like the guelph neighborhood support coalition and the uh, 
improvisation community here and um so yeah so with with all that there was just uh, i wanted to do that really well i wanted to be a parent really well i wanted to be a partner really well um and and a community member really well and I was getting to a point where I just felt like I was doing all of this stuff and being a musician, but I wasn't doing any of it particularly well. I was just sort of passively doing all of this and figured, well, the music side of things I could probably set aside without compromising anyone else's quality of life. So, whereas if I had, you know, I couldn't do that as a parent and, and as a uh, employee at yeah. the job that I like. So it just was the thing that I could like sacrifice for lack of a lack of a better word but yeah and so it's just been a, yeah, yeah. And natu- a kind of a natural thing then not like it was yeah. uh and and constantine's is in a similar situation or or is it a thing of the past oh i mean it i, I think it could happen again anytime really it's just everyone has their own thing like doug uh, the, uh mcgregor the drummer just uh, became a teacher a high school science teacher uh just got a job in strathroy ontario and that that makes me very happy um i see he's like kind of the perfect wacky uh no no bs uh uh, science teacher for high school students. It's uh, just a kind of great role. And um, Steve now lives out in Sackville, but like uh, kind of was the artistic director for Sappy Fest for years. Dallas makes uh, art- architectural models and like has a farmhouse out near Flesherton. Will Will is tour. He's the most uh, active musician of all of us. He tours with um, Weather Station among like a hundred other people. And but yeah, so everybody's just been doing their own thing. It's the same kind of thing. And I guess part of this was that I, you know, I, I had a, I I got to take up a lot of space um, creatively, or you know. Um, as a musician like on a stage whatever for 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 a long time um we're lucky to have people that cared about our music a fair bit um and then the last 10 years especially has been more about okay i don't i don't need to take up that much space i'd maybe maybe it's better to try and just help figure out how to use whatever skills i have to to open up space for other folks you know in the community so yeah that's 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 it. it You're um, you're warming my heart with that last bit there, Bri. It's like, whoo, that's heavy. I feel like you could uh, you you you're you're wanting to like, like a little less you in the mix is like yeah, such yeah. a. I mean, okay, I'll bring it back. Says the guy who just put out a solo record. Well, I mean, okay, let's go, keep yeah, that so. in check. But but yeah. no, that's powerful stuff. The um the wanting to shed the ego and give back to the community is i think a real um important lesson for for any artist right i i just think like i don't know i i ego needs to be in the mix uh otherwise uh the ai machine might as well just do it but i i Mm. I, I do think it's i that really resonates with me and i hope uh, many of our listeners to um to build your community into your your work, you know, in whatever way yeah. that means, however you define that, you know. Exactly. Like I think, I mean, it, it, I'm sure I, I would imagine you feel the same way about all the community oh, community create creative engagement stuff you do. It's it's just wanting to cr- help uh, everybody enjoy what you enjoy and what what is beautiful about 
art and music. And so, I mean, I, I, it's, you know, it's, there's a certain internal, like existential, uh, you know, um, uh, thing that, that's helped by doing this kind of work too. You know, like I, there was a point where I just didn't know if there was as much of a purpose to writing songs, being on a stage, playing an acoustic guitar as there was, you know, uh, teaching someone how to use recording software and, and do, you know, documenting local events and um, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it was just it, you know, it was I guess self serving in in that kind of existential way. It, I felt more justified or more purposeful or more fulfilled by doing that kind of work for for the last ten years. You know, um, did this record help you? Kind of, you mentioned that you had some, uh, you were going through some tumultuous times did this record help you kind of get past that or or uh, i don't want to say heal but in a way yeah i think it i I was talking to um tyler burke uh who ran she uh, she was one half of three gut records which was the con constantine's label you know in toronto for um so tyler burke and lisa moran ran that label but we i we just hadn't connected in years and then i can't even remember what happened that we we just connected and we were talking a bit um and Tyler's been studying like art therapy and was just saying like one of the in her studies like one of the things that it can be most healing or most uh, helpful in terms of processing like troubling times uh, personally is to have the left and the right brain communicate together work together on something and so you know the act the act of just playing a guitar uh, and singing words about you know that are abstractly about whatever you're trying to deal with apparently is is a very um, directly healing or, 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 you know, a healthy way to go. It's a, it, it helps with processing that kind of heavy stuff. So that, I, that definitely was my experience. Um, you know, um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all kind of there. There's autobiographical stuff, but there's stuff that's just, you know, more certainly abstract and, and just, uh, yeah, I kind of like, you know, looking at lyric writing as more collage work or something like that. Trying well, to put things together and uh, back to our bottle of car, our, our back to our demijohn of Carlo Rossi wine. This is uh, my choice now. Mm-hmm. This is uh, what I do. This is a beautiful, another beautiful song off the record. Can you this, tee it up? Can you tell us what this is about before we play it? Yeah. Uh, so it's. Uh, it, it's about you know i i really uh, i take a lot of my own identity from the work that i do and uh was you know definitely f- for years tried you know i've been trying to get around the idea that i'm i'm only valuable i'm only like worth <laughs> uh anything if i'm fixing things or uh or building something or doing something and then you know through seeing my kid and the way that my kid is in the world like you start to realize that there's a that just by being one one is valuable one is worth everything um and anyway so it's just trying to like come the the turn in the song i guess is just um seeing seeing evidence that just by being one is uh 
one's worth something one one's life is worth something amen here it comes be uh what i do
Another beauty from uh, Run With Me, Bry Webb's new record. And this is out, right? It's out. People can fetch it? Or are we it's fetching it in out. November? Or what you can November. feed me there. No. Is it out in yeah. November? November 3rd is the official release date. I have some uh, with these shows that I'm playing. I, I'm I'm selling them, uh, the the, the LP. But um, I did want to say about what I do. So that's uh, Anna Ruddick on Upright Bass, uh, who was in The Providers, played on the Live at Massey record, and uh, and um, Rich Burnett on Lap Steel, Ben Grossman, who's, uh, you know, 
local, well, and international legend of Hurdy Gurdy. I must have Ben on on this podcast. Ben, if you're listening, we heard Jenny Mitchell episode fifteen. Anna would be another great person to have on 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 the podcast. Keep going. Who else plays on that? Um, and uh, yeah, so Ben plays Hurdy Gurdy, and then uh, uh, Steph Yates is uh, sings sings on it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean that that was and. Yeah, it, it uh I don't know. I'm just this is like I I was when I wrote down the the you know the, in the liner notes the list of people who contributed I was again like weeping in my kitchen, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, sure, I bet. I <laughs> it bet. Well, was overwhelming. Community reflected in the art um yeah. I you know I have a soft spot for Guelph and you seem to be doing a really good job yourself here of um just um amplifying that beauty that that is uh, all around you it seems in that city can you talk a little bit about your relationship to Guelph like Anthony Kiedis might talk about his with um Los Angeles sorry that was terrible <laughs> couldn't couldn't resist not a problem i yeah so grew, I grew up in london um and London had a, a pretty incredible scene. I was the music director at CHRW in London in the late 90s, and there was the No, no Music Festival. Yes. But um, on by the Nihilus Basin Band. There you go. Um, well, hang on a sec. We said, we said Jenny Mitchell, episode 15, if you want to go back, uh, gentle mm-hmm. listeners, and now the Nihilist Spasm Band. Mm-hmm. Episode number 76, if you're paying attention, 76, you could go back and listen to that episode. That was a fun Amazing. one. So, okay, oh, the yeah. No so, Music Festival, all that is in yeah, you. Yeah, right? well, and we used to go see, wow. we used to go see the Nihilus Spasm Band's open rehearsals, like on Monday nights oh, down you, I'm jealous. at the uh, Four City Gallery. And, there you go, and there you go. So there was that, but there was a great, like, you know, punk rock scene there was an incredible metal scene in london and and stuff um lots of all ages shows really which is you know like that was incredible i was i actually just found a matchbook from the electric banana in london ontario which was um it was right down the street like now it's part of uh i think the mall downtown but uh it was like a hole in the wall venue that was where i played my first all ages shows a guy named mike todd did uh he ran a radio show called speed city radio that was a punk rock show i would listen to tape uh and listen to the next day in uh, high school anyway he put on these all ages shows there i just and on this matchbook cover uh, it's on the flip side. It says uh, live rock and roll seven days a week, um, and so that London ha- there's just always uh, you know good music and lots of all ages stuff. So that was London. You, gotta, you, you keep mentioning all ages. It's like how important is that the all ages too in the mix here of just like getting you know getting folks in the in in into the culture as yeah, naturally as you can you know uh, it's in, it, it's key yeah, yeah. I mean, there shouldn't be you, you know remove as many barriers as you can i, I would say yeah yeah uh, um yeah so that was london in the 90s like when i was starting to go to shows and seeing bands you know and then uh it kind of like london's downtown like the you know it became the era of like big box stores on the edge of like the the you know more sub suburb sides of the the city and the downtown started to fall apart a little bit um and at the same time i guess i was sort of finishing 
school and found out about Guelph uh, and people like Jim Guthrie and um, Aaron Riches, Liz Powell, um, and like there was a real home recording uh, thing happening here. And um, so, and then I met the guys who were, who became the Constantines, uh, especially Dallas and Steve, who were from Cambridge, uh, but had, they were in Guelph going to school. And had a house, so I moved up when we had we started the band uh, in '99. I moved to Guelph, and we all shared a house on Huron Street where we used to do house shows, uh, basement basement shows. My friend Mike Dean lives there now uh, with his family, but uh, yeah. So um, anyway, that was <clears throat> uh, the beginning of my relationship with Guelph. I just found it like found it to be a great little freak scene. You know, there was. Every, everybody was doing something, but everybody's thing sounded different from everybody else's thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that's your and, yeah. like you kind of walk me through a little bit of your 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 music education of how like DIY really gets in your bones. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's your formal? Uh, is there a formal um, like how do how do you how do you eventually learn guitar as an example? Like what, how do you come to music? And recording and all that is it organic yeah. is it natural or did someone throw it in your hands i had a a grade eight teacher named uh david garrison who i think played key keyboards in like a local cover band in london and uh i he had us write the like autobiographies as part of a project like ongoing throughout grade eight and one of the questions was if you could do anything uh what would you what any one thing what would you do and i wrote you know play guitar and he said okay well you know you can i i at the time i assumed a guitar is like thousands of dollars it's totally not something i could ever afford i you know i didn't, didn't have musicians really in my family at all and he was like listen you can go to a pawn shop and get a guitar for 50 to 100 bucks um and and uh, I've got an amp you can come in and, and use, like, at recess or whatever. So I, I bought this uh, guitar that was, like, you know, a spiky metal red guitar uh, with a neck the size of a baseball bat. But it was 50 bucks at a pawn shop. And I, that was my first guitar. And I came in, and he let me just use this beautiful Fender Super 6 amp in uh, the gym, behind the gym in grade 8, which was, like, the, the beginning of actually touching a guitar you know and just finding notes and finding what the sounds what sounds it could make and then uh i had a guitar teacher named scott sarek who i just found a picture of um who was like a metal guitarist who had like studied with testament and had like van halen flags all over his parents basement and that was my guitar teacher for a while but he was amazing because he was like he he was very technical and and uh you know, taught me some things about even modes and and stuff, which at the time was pretty a pretty far reach, a, a big reach for me. But uh, but also, I would like would be like, okay, well next week just bring in a song and we'll learn it. And I would bring in like Pretty Vacant by the Sex Pistols, and he'd be like, okay, let's do this. You know, um, so he he got he got that I was interested in different things, and so it did teach me like what chords were what i was playing and what chords were making up songs and 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 how, how how young were you when you're basically seeing people like the nihilus spasm band model the every monday night right kind of, kind of thing to you 
I think the first that was maybe like seventeen. Oof, I think. Wow. Yeah, that's big, but I that's mean, big. yeah, the uh, it was more yeah late later high school. But so yeah, it, from the guitar lessons, it was just starting to play music with friends, and I was big into skateboarding, and so uh, all my friends that skated together, we just started a band, and it was mostly playing classic rock riffs and writing new lyrics to the those riffs for a while and and yeah and then just playing as fast as possible uh and then starting to play shows and finding like then really my eyes were opened up by much more kind of artful punk bands in london at the time uh nobody in the nothings childer hose um real like art punk bands you know like yeah and that that's where yeah i could really felt like i kind of i guess opened up uh, my eyes to what was possible with with even kind of scra- scrappy music you know do you remember when you started like diy recording or like the first song you ever wrote uh i think the first song i ever wrote was uh it was i hate nothing was the chorus Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just the first band that I, I had, which I think was called SOS um, at one point, which stood for Skeletons of Society. Um, yeah, and wow, so that was wow. probably like fourteen or something like that. But um, and is that a Slayer song or am I dreaming? It could very well be. I remember the drummer was a big Slayer fan. That's amazing. Um, and so, yeah, that was the first kind of band that started to have original songs. And then I would rent, I remember renting a four track cassette recorder from John Ballone's music for like a um, hundred bucks or something for a month or maybe 50 bucks for a month and starting to learn about layering recordings. What, and what did you call that music shop? John Malone's? John, John Ballone's, yeah. It was a long running, great, I, I bought my. Uh, the guitar guitar that I still have, a Guild Hollow body that was my main guitar in the Constantines. I bought there in like yeah, two thousand one or something. But isn't that yeah, interesting? Like the yeah. pre Long and McQuaid monopoly. I hope John Ballone yeah. is still is still kicking. Yeah, I don't know. I I kinda doubt that shop is still there, but um I wonder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The the uh, the evolution we'll see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um well, that's that's beautiful. That's charming. The uh, I, it's it's nice to kind of know where you come from and and how you you got there with uh, with what you're doing. And and when the Constantine started, what was that like? Like that that whole ride of like watching that band kind of rise to um, to it, it. Like it's it's it, that's a bit of an institution, right? Well, we 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 came out of. Um, I think we all met each other. I mean, Doug. And I went to high school together, uh, and but uh, we met Dallas and Steve and Will through really like uh, DIY shows, like you know shows at skate shops and basements and church church basements and rental halls and stuff like that. In the mid, mid to late nineties, there was a place called the Button Factory in Kitchener that we I think we probably all first met at. Um, and so the beginning of that band was really like playing shows like that but one of the things we agreed on was that if we were invited we would play anywhere that there was a three-prong outlet you know anywhere we could get power to play we'd figure out a way to play and so that 
carried through in this kind of bananas dynamic where we would like we played people's living rooms and and stuff well like towards the end of our our initial like 10 years but we were also playing like arenas opening for foo fighters and tragically hip and stuff you know um but it was great it was like every we were at least all um in uh, all connected by that same desire to just play as many different types of places and uh and figure it out and it was a pretty adventurous band we had our own we, we learned to play together in a lot of ways like we had our own kind of vocabulary um we didn't 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 talk a lot about like scales or theory maybe we'd mention what chord the song started with but it was more you know just bashing bashing things out uh, in repetition and rehearsals who was um, that that first teacher that told you all you needed was a, a guitar from the pawn shop what was his name again david garrison yeah yeah i i have to find him I am well still yeah around. shout out to to david garrison to the david garrisons of the world who i think in a way um add water to to the vocabulary they they kind of encourage the vocabulary that you might have formed in the in the constantines to to, mm-hmm. to push it forward like i you know no 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 uh no slight against the the testaments of the world but or mm-hmm. getting a formal mu- music education but i do like the just the organic approach to here it is it's a safe space you can figure it out you know start start developing your voice on a thing you know i, I think yeah. that's really important um just that yeah making making the tools accessible yeah yeah exactly it was huge huge um and i was super shy i was very introverted and uh it yeah I, that changed my direction completely you know i, I don't know what i would have done otherwise but yeah i need to find to find that guy somehow well isn't but. it isn't it interesting in the beauty of like yeah, for those in the world who don't have that access and who no no, no uh, I don't mean any offense against shyness or anything. I I don't think it's something to overcome even, but um mm-hmm. who might remain shy or just deprived of of um of the thing if they don't in, engage with a David Garrison if some if there isn't someone there to encourage that that exploration in a safe space you know i, I it's so yeah. important it just seems so important um it's if i would add to that just now one of the nicer things i'm seeing in communities is the uh, instrument lending libraries yes uh you know i uh, guelph i don't think has it yet but uh we're rebuilding the public library here and i'm hoping that that's going to be a part of it but kitchener's public library is mind-blowing bob egan's work there to develop the lending library and the uh just media making access is amazing that's that's what public funds you know that's part of what they should be yeah like that coupled with the champions that are there just in the in the corner like like garrison Mm-hmm. cheering you on saying that like making it feel important that you are doing something because it is important yeah um well it's i mean yeah just just uh yeah being told that you it's possible yeah 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 um you, you know you touched on another thing there from arenas to people's living rooms um how important is the like can you talk a little bit about m- music venues in 2023 and 
and the state, the overall state of of the the e- e- ecosystem of of like what we do and and how you found it. Uh, here, why don't I pile nine more questions onto this? But how <laughs> you found it in in uh, in this in this run of t- of of dates that you've been performing. Um, mm-hmm. How are you finding it? Just the state of of the the music venue in general. Yeah, it's interest. It, like uh, it's interesting to have had I think basically six years of not engaging with it. Um, I mean, other than like through the radio station, but in terms of trying to book shows or or go out and play a tour, like yeah, it's it has changed. I mean, obviously the pandemic was uh, destroyed like destroyed a lot of venues. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of musicians just didn't know how, what music making in public was going to look like. Um, And that's changed back a little bit. I mean, people are starting to come up with creative solutions again. Obviously, like, there's always going to be young people who are like, well, we need a place to play. We'll figure out, like, you know, um, Lisa's basement, you know, we could do shows there. Like, you know, so I think there's always that impulse, but sorry to cut you off. You mentioned the, the, the church basement thing. And I remember in Brampton, mm-hmm. that was a big part of the scene in, in, in where I grew up and there was a church basement, you know, I don't, I know, I know Dan Lochran at, at uh, upbeat guitar studio is literally um, the church basement. Uh, yeah. That's the church I want to pray at. Yeah. But yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, they're still out there is what you're saying. Yeah, well, and there's always, I think, the impulse there, especially with young, like, you know, um, yeah. Like I, I went to a show, uh, again, this is just more of like the CFRU connection, the stuff that I love about this job, but I, um, we work with a local uh, teacher who has sort of an arts program, arts school within a uh, bigger high school structure, but uh, called Made uh, Kelly McCullough, who's just a mind blowing person. But um, uh, so we were there working on a podcast project with her students, um, and sh- and one of the students mentioned, or she mentioned that uh, a student named Annie was putting on a show at 10C, which is like a local community space um, that has a sort of event space at the top floor. Um, and so, you know, we, we offered to just go down and, and record and document this event. And so I showed up and um, the person who was assisting me, uh, his name is Owen, my friend. I don't know if you know Anna Bowen, um, who works for uh, Publication Studios. But her son, who's 12 or 13, came with me as like my tech assistant. We went down and set it up. But it was like they had turned this entire space into this beautiful event called Wildflowers and with like hand-painted banners and like th- three of their friends' bands. And it was all this person, Annie, who's, I, I would guess, like 17, um, that put it all together, made it happen, publicized it. And uh, there's just, there's always going to be that energy, but it was just amazing. It was like life affirming to see uh, happening right now. Yeah. Um, So nice to hear. I I love that answer of like, yeah, yeah. there's hope in those younger generations too, of, of, Mm -hmm. of making it count, you know, making it a spectacle, really celebrating it. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, and I think, just starting to play shows uh and book things again it's funny like one one thing that's missing is music journalism you know locally um that's really gone down which is sad sad to see um but i think 
podcasting and and uh, this sort of medium is an interesting solution to that or an answer to it. Um, and then um, backyard shows still like and and like um, you know people house shows and stuff. Honestly, like at the level I'm playing at are in a lot of ways more lucrative and more gratifying than than trying to play bigger venues or like be on have the fourth hold on a venue in Toronto, you know, that everybody wants to play or so it's, I mean, yeah, it's, there are solutions and there's always amazing people who are opening up their spaces. Uh, it seems, it seems. So I love, yeah. I love all the hope and, you know, n- n- you're not sour on it, which I think is really easy to get if you're, if you're not careful. So I really appreciate that answer. True. I mean, I've been there too, but uh, I'm feeling feeling hopeful now. Yeah, it's good, good, to, good to hear. Um, well, I wish you the very best with this this recording and and where you want to take um, your music, Bry. Are you um, w- where where do you see that going? Like, what are some of your goals? Do you have a, a sense of where you want to go next with all of this, or is it kind of get through this string of dates and then? think about it how do you and then uh, let's hope for not another nine years to think about it but you know yeah i mean i'm just i'm really enjoying singing just the physical act of, of singing um i uh steph yates and i kind of have this duo thing going where uh we've been touring touring together and i accompany her incredible work uh caught cots for those who don't know is steph yates amazing work but um so and then she'll accompany me as well so that's been an amazing experience uh, and we're doing a bunch of shows uh this month and next and uh well and the release show uh, in guelph will be with joe sorbara on drums and rich burnett on lap steel tom hammerton on piano anna ruddick on bass steph yates on vocals and so that'll be something special i hope we can kind of do some more shows with the bigger group but i just want to play as much as possible i'm i'm kind of i'm just i want to yeah yeah just go out and play and and uh and travel a bit again see some friends i haven't seen in a long time it's it's um it's a, a great enough reason as to why we do this i think you just answered the first question um well maybe on that vein and my last question for you is um by the way joe sorbera episode 13 gentle Mm -hmm. listener if you want to keep looking back i'm looking forward i'm not looking back though with this podcast it has been a true joy to have you on brian to get a little more into your head and your process um what do you love most about uh all of this the the music industry the the whole thing um i'm gonna steal an answer from um from ryan peters who is the drummer for lightning dust and lady hawk and stuff we toured a lot together in the aughts but uh, i asked him on tour once like what what do you like most about making music and he just said that i'm never finished i never feel like i'm done all you know I, I, well, I won't even expand on that. I think it's it just says says what needs to be said about it as a that that's so satisfying to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love it. I love how succinct that is. It. I don't need to d- dig into that. It's it, it is beautiful and it, and it tracks right. It's. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Yeah, so I guess maybe sometimes you feel like is music the new poetry? Like um no one's reading poems. Like that went away with sh- the shoe shine, right? <laughs> if you, right? That's toast, right? I, I could uh, I could, could contest that, but I I just want to see where you're going with this. Well, my my podcast, sorry, you can't contest it. Um, no. So is music going the way of the poem? But I think it's a strong enough bedrock that we. I mean, it's poem, it's poetry adjacent, so we got to be careful. Hmm. It is something that we need to that you can't take for granted but i love that that answer of um of uh basically you're never finished so mm-hmm. um and does it get it gets heavier as we as we age with it doesn't it like yeah you're never finished but um well that's at some point you will be true so yeah. just make it make it count and you really have with this record um it's called Run With Me. Where can people um, d- d- download it when the time is right in, on November 3rd? Mm-hmm. Um, EA Fix Records, so I-D-E-E-F-I-X-E Records, uh, has a band camp and a website where you can order the record. You can pre-order the vinyl. Um, the first first thousand are the die-cut like letters, and it'll be sort of a, a somewhat limited version of it and then uh yeah the digital is all there too uh yeah right on right on um shall we go out with uh goodbye sure who plays on that one uh so most of the constantines are on there dallas uh will doug um and my nieces uh Addie and Ella play floor tom come on um, yeah. how old are they how old are they uh Addie i think was 6 and Ella 11 how inspiring maybe 12. 12 yeah yeah they're amazing yeah so it's uh, uh yeah will will's the one ripping the solo throughout do you have As the itch to uh will the constantines do something again do you, do you is that a weird question or, or? no I, I think i think so uh, again it's just a matter of like when life allows it for all of us but uh yeah we're still we we still send each other uh you, you know inside jokes and text and photos of, of things but yeah uh, we're, we're still very much uh, on good terms and in contact that's nice to hear, Brian. It's nice to hear. Well, all the very best. Thank you for um, for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too, Rich. Thank you for doing it. Take care. And this is goodbye. Goodbye. Cheers. Thanks. I'm sure, but I've been sure before. Good times, peril, crisis, oh singer Wandered out, uncommitted By recovery workers, welfare bringers Who sing, sing all joy, all joy language In a single word Say, make a living Say, Harold Lindsay Burke like a high-wire stooge Like people I Was trying to write a song called Goodbye
Sometimes love gets institutional But I don't work for you anymore I was what I could provide Now I'm the border And I'm the way I say I am divine I'm a little dust in my public eye love that little rick flair uh anyway bry webb that was from the new record out november 3rd called run with me you just heard the track goodbye and uh thank you so much for all your support keep it up we're just get warming up that was episode 172 bry webb and we got many more amazing interviews in the hopper coming up before the end of this year so tell all your friends about it podcasts are back industry tactics we'll see you again soon friendlyrich.com don't stop bye for now